to the Hacking Your Health podcast with Ben Kenning and Dave Kennedy. Two guys heading out to hack body, mind, business, and beyond. We are here to provide a single source, bullshit-free guide to understanding your body and how you can live better for longer. Yo, what's up, everybody? Just before we get into this week's podcast, I'd like to take a second to say two things. Number one, thanks for tuning in once again. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for every listen, every download, every watch. Secondly, if you can take time to subscribe to wherever you listen to to or watch us, it would be greatly appreciated and it would do a lot for us and the show. Thanks. Enjoy this week's episode. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back. I am Ben Canning. And I'm Dave Kennedy. And this is Hacking Your Health Podcast. So it's been What's like it's been really the I audience doesn't know this, know. but it's been like it's been like two weeks since we've actually recorded. So we got a lot <laughs> to catch up on. It's gonna be a powerhouse podcast. Uh, we got you know disagreements with Andrew Huberman, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the, the guest, one of the guests he had on. We have some controversies to, to discuss. It's gonna be a, a wild, action-packed uh, episode today. I actually need to get the name of that guy because Andy, Doctor Andy Galpin. Right. Anyway, yes, yeah. it is. Strap yourself in. Anyway, we'll catch up first. What's going on with you? So things are good. Uh, you know, I just finished up a uh, deload couple of days. Uh, so I'm not going to call it deload week anymore because it's only a couple of days. Um, but uh, and you made uh, it through again. I made it through, uh, but I I have to admit to, to you on, on something that I did, and you know it's one of those things where it's like I'll I'll do it and then ask for forgiveness later and then explain it. Um, oh. <laughs> So and, here's what happened. So here's what happened. And, 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 you know, full disclosure, I was 100% honest on my check-in sheet. I didn't hide it. And I had full intentions of telling you after I did it. Um, but I thought it would make so for was a good... right? Was I well, right I did... on what I spotted on your checking? Because I spent about the... 10 minutes being like, what is? what have I missed? Yeah, so the the elevated strain that you saw on, uh, it was a, it was a, what it would have been, Tuesday, right? Uh mm-hmm. Tuesday or Monday, not been Tuesday, um, was because I did go to Orange Theory uh, on okay. Tuesday on the deload. Okay. But there's a reason for it. And I just want to explain my rationality here. So okay. I had to fly out Tuesday uh, to do a leadership kickoff for, um, uh, for uh, uh, you know, like Binary Defense to do a 2023 kickoff with our leadership team and stuff like that. And so I was going to fly out Tuesday and then, all you know, Tuesday and then Wednesday, I was in meetings all day. So these two days, I was going to be extremely sedentary, sedentary, and I didn't want to sit there and not get anything in, no steps, nothing. There's going to be no, nothing, basically. So what I did is I went to Orange Theory, and I chilled and did a very relaxing run. You know, like my run was below my normal base pace. My push was below even my normal run pace, and I didn't do any all-outs, and I did really light weights. And it was just to get my heart rate up to to go and um, and and – get something in because I knew for the next two days, I wasn't going to be able to, to, to manage getting something in. So, um, and, well, and, and, t- and technically you said Wednesday I could do orange theory, but no lifting. And then I did lifting okay. at night on Wednesday. So I, I it, it just kind of got a little bit messed up, but I did feel like I did a good deal. <laughs> <of it>. so, <laughs> so I'm going to call bullshit because you said for two days that you'd be sedentary and set still, as soon as you got off the flight on Wednesday, you went and lifted but but tech no 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 that's not true that's not true I went home and hung out my family for like two hours and then, then I went then I went downstairs to make sure that my my gym was clean for the next <laughs> the morning <laughs> and then I did a full lift during that period of time so like you know <laughs> I fell and then started doing some bicep curls and then I got it done <laughs> I couldn't help myself yeah. I couldn't help myself well I was there and I was like checking everything out I'm like oh well I mean technically I could just do like a little bit of like back at biceps it's a quick lift you know and. And then, and then it turned into, you know, a two hour session and then, uh, you know, okay. So the next, the next thing I'm going to call bullshit on is if you said that you went light at orange theory, why is your strain higher than it usually is on those days? It was 16.9. So in full disclosure, whoops, sometimes will record certain, (laughs) like, you know, it will, 
I'm serious. Like, uh, like the, the one day I got like a 21. I didn't do any extra activities. It just happened to like calculate it differently. So, I, if you look, I'll, I'll send you my screenshot from the the Orange Theory session. It was much, It was like 20 percent lower than I, or 20 minutes lower than I normally do in the elevated heart rate section. So I did go light on that day, but I did do a lot of like walking in the airports and things like that to get to things. But I don't know. It, it wasn't that big of an elevated uh, thing. But I did. I did not push myself hard at all. That day, I went in chill. I, I, in fact, I didn't even take any pre-workout that day. So I, I to put it in perspective. So I, I really tried to chill. Okay, so you're justifying the whole thing by not taking pre-workout. So technically, it's not a lift or right. exercising. If you don't take pre-workout, it's not actually an exercise at that point. So like, it's just I don't, I don't make the rules up, man. I don't make the rules up. But listen, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll fully own it and take punishment for it. I think the punishment should be boys another should get split squats. Week? No, boys should get split squats. You think boy to get split spots because yeah. you you didn't do your deload properly? Yeah. Okay, I can do that. Okay, that's good. How many? I mean, I think he's got to do like four sets of fifteen. Four sets of fifteen each leg. Yeah. Okay. Dude, I'll actually update the program right now. All right, there we go. Good. I'm but sorry, <laughs> you know, apologize. You know, apologize. I I just I had an idea and I was like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce it off you afterwards. And then and then what? You know, I was actually gonna tell you beforehand. But I'm like, I'd make good for the podcast, so that's why I didn't say anything. <laughs> okay, but aside from that, your deload week was good, and now you're back to training. Everything's okay. The world is right again. Yeah. In fact, uh, you know, it's amazing how much. Uh, and for those that know what a deload week is, uh, if if you are lifting for a long period of time, and usually the the recommendation is anywhere between eight to twelve weeks. So that would be two to three months. You typically want to go through a deload exercise where you're either doing um, a, a smaller percentage of lighter weight, um, still the same reps, but lighter weight, um, or just kind of cold turkey it for a few days to give your body and your nervous system time um, to recover. Uh, a lot of science and studies show that, you know, especially if you're hitting plateaus and stuff like that, or you're just feeling, dra you know, dragging ass, you're not recovering properly. Um, deloads can really make a big difference in, in your body recovery and things like that. So you know, and, and I've been very good at telling Ben when I need deloads because I can feel it. I know it. I know it's time for that. And it's one of those hardest things for me to admit, but I will go and do it. Um, and so, you know, it, other than a deload, uh, it was very good. I uh, had a good time in D.C. Uh, definitely had a Taco Bell run at uh, one o'clock in the morning uh, while I was there. But fit with my calorie count. I only had one soft taco supreme, 240 calories. And, uh, you know, it was all good to go. So it was it's been a good week. Uh, how about you, man? <laughs> Uh, things are good. I have had a very, I don't like the word busy. I've had a, a lot of calls this week. So essentially this week is week 10 for the hacks group. And what I wanted to do with them all is have a one-to-one -one call, catch up what they sort of thought was good about the past 10 weeks, the success that they had, what the struggles were, and essentially what we need to do and change and focus on moving into the next block. And um, so it was good to actually speak to them all in individually um, and it was very rewarding for me to sort of see how much people are getting from the program and and how they're actually doing um so it has been quite hectic quite hectic um and a lot of calls back to back but all very good stuff um some very funny calls and i think the the overarching thing that i got from the majority of them was and i guess i sort of had planned this to an extent was the initial block was obviously starting everything on hard mode. So we started when it was the holidays, when it was Thanksgiving, when it was Christmas. So, you know, literally the most difficult time of year to start anything. Um, but for me, it was more about them laying the foundations, building the habits, building the behaviors to then when we move into this block, we're going to start to really test the limits and push things to see what we can actually achieve. And everybody seems to be on board with that. Everybody's really happy with where they're at. So it's really cool to see. Um, I still have a couple of calls next week and then I have a lot of programming and planning to do, but it, it, it's been a, a good, very rewarding week from a work perspective. Um, also training has been good. My calories are at 2,750 and I feel like I'm really finding my feet at, at that calorie level. And it's funny. And I was, I was talking to Luke. We're, the other we're day, matched on calories, by the way. That was intentional. <laughs> We're Cali brothers. You need to remember, I'm in, I'm in control of what your calories are. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was actually, I was talking to Luke the other day and I increased his calories. And it's funny whenever you go from that, like being in a deficit and being so routine with it to like, now you have all these extra calories. It's like, what do I do with these? But on the other side of it, like, and Luke will definitely own up to this. Like 
it wouldn't be hard to hit 2,700 calories before, but now it's like, oh, shit, how do I get this in and what way do I fit it? So um, it's an interesting sort of, again, process to go through, but I feel good on sessions are good. Um, starting to find my groove with a new workout block. Um, so yeah, all, all is good, all is well on this side. I want, to, I want to hit on that, and, and I want to double-click on that really quick here. Oh, for two okay, seconds. right. Got to go by. <laughs> uh, I got so much shit for that uh, for, from a lot of people. Like People are like, oh, I'm going to double-click on that. Send me direct messages at Facebook. But I was like, damn it. I should never you – know, it's, like, it's like when people thought I had a fear of clowns. Like I just got clown stuff like for like five years, and I finally kind of desensitized the clowns. Like Clowns mean nothing to me anymore. But anyways – Let's let's go into that subject here. For so we a have to be because, careful what we say because people will just. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Okay. I, I'm getting it for folks all the time. Like I, I was uh, talking to somebody um, that uh, is on uh, uh, the Cavs that listens to our podcast all the time. And he's like, hey, Dave, just wanted to double click on something real quick. I'm like, son of a bitch. And he's like, I listened to the podcast, obviously. I'm like, damn it. So anyways, um, if, by the way, I've been listening to Dr. Atia quite a bit. And I, he must have heard me or like because I responded back to his, his thing. So he must actually pay attention because I haven't heard any double clicks since I started complaining about it. So I'm really happy that he changed it because I can listen to his podcast now. Um, but uh, what, what, one thing I want to hit there really fast is, so and what's interesting about what people struggle with on the calorie count side of the house is, is the initial pain and exertion that it takes to get used to calories. And so if your bodies are used to eating, you know, 4,000 calories a day and you go down drastically to 2,000 calories a day, you're going to be absolutely miserable, right? And I think what you can do to kind of t taper that a bit is slowly go down in calories over time so your body really doesn't recognize it. Or, you know, if you just go through the efforts of doing it um, and you have the discipline, that calorie thing will become normal routine for you. Your body will figure out how to operate that way. You know, you're not going to have the hunger and cravings. It's really weird. Um, I would say, you know, during this, this cutting phase, when, you know, we dropped calories really fast and it was intentional, you know, I said, listen, I want to push this hard. I want to try it, you know, see if I can do it for myself. And we almost got to the 220 goal. I came to 222, by the way, which we I was still have time. We really still have lean. Time. I'm not, I was really lean. It was really awesome. So, um, you know, but, uh, you know, when, when the, when the, uh, the thing is reporting 3.7% body fat, I'm like, ah, it's not right, but that's pretty low. So, but, um, I also, just the total tangent yeah, yeah, yeah. as well, yeah. I, I want to point out that, so you have the, the in-body scanner that, that does everything properly and you like, you don't yeah. trust this machine. So you you go to the other machine, you go to the other machine, you go to the other machine, you're like, I know what I'll do. I'll order this caliper. That's like probably 10 bucks off Amazon to see if it's yeah. legit. I'm like, <laughs> doesn't make any sense, but yeah, I get it. I get it. Get, and, and the caliper gave me the exact same readings. I was like, son yeah. of a bitch. You know, like, I'm like, and then I'm like, I'm like, am I doing the caliper wrong? I'm watching videos on it. I'm like, I'm like, literally, literally. so I, I tried as much as best I can to get to it. And I even so emailed, uh, no. well, I, I, I even emailed, there's this, uh, uh, so even more accurate than a DEXA scan or actually a uh, water submersion body tanks. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of schools have these. And so I actually emailed, uh, tri C, which is a local college here. Um, that has these body tanks. And so they're coming out with their February schedule. So I'm actually going to go do a body tank uh, study to see, just to be curious, you know, because it, it also will also get your VO2 max, your, you know, a lot of other things, cardiovascular health. So it's kind of a neat thing. It's like 25 bucks, um, nice. which is really awesome to get, you know, that level of detail. So I'll probably do something like that um, soon. But anyways, the calorie thing is where most people struggle with because we're all used to heavy, you know, uh, caloric intake because we have food readily available to me. I mean, right now I can just reach over tomorrow right? and I have a delicious salad with, you know, uh, you know, chicken and everything else, but, you know, and I literally got it magically delivered to my door via DoorDash, you know? So, you know, but when we're used to that type of calorie count, when we're dieting, there's, there's two big mistakes that I see. One, you don't give yourself long enough to get adjusted to the calories. And two, you're doing too hard of a cut on calories that your body just goes into like extreme reserve mode. So, you know, what you want to figure out is what is my total daily energy expenditure? What is maintenance for my total daily energy expenditure? So, you know, and you can do that on our site. If you go to wehack.health, um, there's a resources section there. It'll calculate that for you. And then, um, you know, you want to kind of refine that. Just to, It's just an estimate. But start to shave, you know, 100, 200 calories off, you know, every so often until you get to your desired weight, weight loss uh, regime. But I'll tell you, like, this cut here, at first, when I dropped those calories, I was hungry all the time because I was at, you know, what, 3,000 calories or something like that or 30. 3,500 calories. I was, I was, it was a lot. And, and so I dropped all the way down and, um, you know, I, I was hungry for probably the first three weeks. And after that, I started getting used to it. I started dropping some more calories, hungry a little bit, got used to it. 
And I can say at the end of it, when I was, you know, at 1900 calories, you know, I wouldn't be full really ever, but I was never starving. You know, I was never starving for food. I wasn't doing the food channel stuff like you were, but you know, um, it was one of those things I got used to it. Now that I'm at 2750, I'm like, Oh man, I got like so much room to play with. I can have like a yeah. bag of pretzels. Now I can, you know, um, go get a taco, you know, instead of a salad or, you know, instead of just getting a, bre- a you know, a chicken breast, I can get a chicken breast with, you know, you know, sides on it. So, you know, it, it gives you a little bit more flexibility to eat what you want to. And it takes a little bit adjusting to get to 2750 as well, all the yeah. way to 3000 to 4000 to 4000. I was like, I'm, I'm tired of eating. I don't want to eat anymore. You know, like, so, you know, these, these ups and downs that we go through, you get used to them, your body adjusts them. You just have to give yourself time and you have to have the dedication to get to that point. Yeah. The thing, the biggest struggle that I see is I best the best way that I can describe it, the best analogy is if you think about your calories as a budget. So if you think about like finances and budget, you can spend your calories well, or you can spend them like a total asshole. So if you spend them well and you have things that are sort of high volume, low calories, like really lean meats, uh, plenty of eggs, you can have a lot of food for whatever calorie amount that you're on. And, you know, whenever I was, I think the lowest my calories got to towards the end of last year was like 1600. But I was able to fill it with a lot, like quite a lot of food. Or you can spend them like a total asshole and have a five guys and have your calories done in one meal and you'd be done, you'd be starving for the rest of the day. So the quality of your food will dictate the quantity, essentially. So, you know, you can have high fat, really calorie dense meals that are like small, but high in calories that are going to use that up straight away. Um, things like processed foods will, will use those up quite quickly. And I've sort of started to try and be a little bit more in tune with when anybody, you know, any client is doing to make sure that they are spending calories in the correct way so that they're not hungry because essentially while feeling hungry is good to an extent, it will lead to some shit show along the way. Um, so yeah, spend your calories in the right way is definitely an important way to do it. Yep. And I also want to hit on congratulations uh, to all of the Hacks crew and the BC fam crew for all of the successes that you're having. Um, and it's, you know, you, and I saw your schedule. I mean, you're, you are grinding at all of this going through the check-ins and, and keeping people informed. But, you know, what's really cool is when you send me a message, you're like, dude, I just had the most amazing call. This person is just killing it. And, you know, it's, 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 it's awesome to have an impact in people. Uh, and to be able to kind of change your life and get them on the right track and seeing that actual transformation happen. Um, you know, it's gotta be, gotta be amazing. And I, and I see all the time too, on social media, you know, I got a couple hits, you know, because of you, Dave, I was doing this and that, and all of a sudden I've dropped 40 pounds and I'm at the right track and I'm doing awesome. So it's really cool to see these folks having a lot of success and the discord server has never been more, more active, more popular. We just did some restructuring around it. Um, you know, you can subscribe to certain topics that you're interested in women's health, men's health, uh, scientific research, that type of stuff. So, you know, we're getting a lot more active uh, and we're having a lot more activity uh, on the Discord server too. So it's been really awesome to see all of that come together. But most importantly, you know, the only reason we're here is because we're making a difference. And I think that's the, the cool part about all this, right? And c- kudos to you, what you've been able to build with both those programs uh, and the success you're having with those folks. It's it's life-changing, right? Yeah, it's, it, it, it's such... <clears throat> yes, sometimes it does feel like... I mean, it doesn't even really... Yes, okay, sometimes I'm busier than others and whatever, but like... It's maybe similar to yourself. Like it doesn't necessarily feel like work. It doesn't feel like a chore. Like I enjoy speaking to clients. I enjoy seeing clients progress in their check-ins, even if clients aren't progressing or having a hard time. I enjoy problem solving with with them, and I enjoy sort of being able to overcome the barriers and then seeing weeks down the line that thing that they were struggling with that was a shit show is no longer a shit show. Like that to me is is what it's all about. And I mean, I'm not going to take any credit at all for rearranging the Discord. You did the whole thing, but and think in terms of like other things that we have got. We strategized on how to do it. So, and, <laughs> okay. and by the way, uh, was it was it Lily that uh, had the yes, suggestion to break the pillar? So yeah, yeah, yeah. So kudos uh, to Lily to on fair, that one. I feel like she did, she did more work in it than I did, but it was a great <laughs> idea. It was a great idea, and sometimes you it just was. need somebody else with a different set of eyes to look on it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, and I know for you, like the the biggest thing is just making a difference and. I actually, I guess I should mention, I'm going to do that webinar on uh, Friday. So this will go out on Tuesday. So next Friday is the 27th. You totally need to get a link out there, by the way. Yes, I will have a link out there. The link will be in the, in the show notes. Okay. So this will go out on Tuesday on Friday, the 27th at 1 p.m., Eastern Standard Time. I will be doing a webinar on how to lose your first 10 pounds. And even anybody who's already lost some weight. I think there'll be a lot of value in that. 
Um, so I'm excited for that. I'm going to do one webinar. You even per have month. props. You even have props. I even, do you know what? I'll actually share it here because not that many people will watch it on YouTube. I think a lot of people underestimate how much weight actually is and they give themselves a hard time. They were like, Oh, you know, it's been a month and I've only lost, you know, four pounds, eight pounds, 10 pounds, whatever. So I ordered what five pounds of body fat looks like. Let me just grab it here. <laughs> so this is a preview for the 41 people that listen or watch on YouTube. This is what five pounds like. <laughs> that's so gross. Oh my God. That's crazy. Isn't that's so crazy. Like that? It's so crazy. Like you think of when he lost five pounds, like look how much that, and I, like I'm a relatively for big all the person. people that are hearing the rattling <laughs> of the grocery bag sound on the we apologize, <laughs> but like that I'm I'm a relatively big person. I've got big hands. Yeah. that is a lot. Like That's that. a lot. Yeah. So it's cr it's crazy to think too. Like I you know I came from 248, dropped down to 222. That I really had that much body fat to lose in there. Yeah. That's what, 20 some pounds. And that's like five of those, you know, yeah. that, you know, that's crazy. It's insane. Crazy. It's absolutely yeah. insane. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that prop. I'm looking forward to doing the webinar. The link to join will be in the show notes. And that's and that's why I test, you know, personally to me, again, whatever works best for your body and how you feel. But you know, that's why for me, I personally attest to low fat um macronutrients because you know, you look at the storage ratio, you know, when you eat fat. If you don't use it, 100% of that, 100% of that is going to your to your fat. Like it's getting stored as fat. Whereas carbohydrates has to convert pretty heavily to fat, and whereas protein extremely heavily and almost near, uh, almost uh, very little percentage of that actually converts to fat. So high protein, high carbohydrates diets, you know, are typically the ones that are the ones that are most successful at you know keeping fat off your body. Even though obviously if you're sitting there eating candy bars all day long and really easily processed sugars, those can convert fairly easily to fats. But Again, you know, I digress on that, but uh, again, but even, crazy even, to think that. It's, that is insane. Like, it surprised me. Yeah. Um, I couldn't get the 10 pounds one delivered, but I can imagine it's fucking huge. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, even for me, like increasing my calories, you know, I think my calories increased by about, uh, I'm going to say 400. Um, for me, I would go straight away to carbs and protein. So my protein's probably sitting at around two, between 260 and 280 grams at the minute, and then the rest carbs and like usually under 60 grams of fat. And I find that that, that works best when I feel great in the gym, like I feel my lifts going up. Yeah. And the one thing, and this will be our perfect segue to the conversation. The one thing that I did recognize or appreciate um, in the conversation with Andrew Huberman and Dr. Andy Galpin that I just don't like, they talked about the, the weight training and the search for the pump almost gives you like a preview of what your physique looks like. I really like that analogy of like, whenever you have the pump and you yeah. feel full, like that's a preview of, of the results you can achieve, you keep working down. And that's potentially a reason why people favor weight resistance training or weightlifting or whatever it is. Like I, I like the way they described that. Well, it's funny. Cause I always make the joke. Like, I wish I could look like I do right now. Like I, you know, I, I did a picture earlier this week on Twitter and my arms look fuck, you know, fucking massive. I got a sensor yeah. button too. If I ever need to play, if I ever swear, I could like, I could be like, Anyways, um, so, uh, you're a bit off. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a little delayed. <laughs> we got to figure out the delay and then hey, the sensor going back. Anyway, um, but, uh, you know, I, I was like, man, my arms look so big and I'm just like, yes. And then, and then like 45 minutes later, I'm like, man, my arms are so small. No, you know, so the, the pump definitely has a major, uh, impact. And it's funny because like, you know, people will see those pictures on, you know, social media and then they'll see in person and like, Hey, you're a lot smaller than I thought. I'm like, well, first of all, that's the worst thing you could ever say to me, by the way. But second, you know, there, you know, that's one great lighting, you know, that is awesome, you know, pump from a workout. And yes, it's a preview to what hopefully someday I could be looking like that all the time, maybe. So yeah, you know, I'm going to go and do some pushups and bicep curls and come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right back, right back. So we do the disco pump when we go out for date night. It's like, hey, we got to get a little, look a little, look a little bit bigger to get that pump going. So, um, but talking about the uh, podcast with Dr. Uh, Andy Galpin, which came up, uh, it got released January 18th on the Huberman Labs podcast. You know, um, I always get excited about these ones because we're you know, so up to Dr. date. That is good for us. That's only two days ago. It is. It we is. are up to it date is. on Andy well, I, I feel like I feel like the ones that are like centric on like physical fitness and stuff like that, or you know, ways to hack your body. Like those are the ones I'm most interested in. A lot of the ones are like, hey, how to optimize like you know, uh, even like sleep protocols. I'd be interested in, but it's like focusing on your consciousness. I'm like, I'm I'm not gonna listen to that. <laughs> Sorry, but, to be fair, yeah. I did, and I know this is totally and I did listen to the creativity one with Rick Rubin, and it was very, I would consider myself a creative person, so it was very interesting, and it was a lot of like, you know, nothing has an answer. I was like, you know, halfway through it, been like, this is a total mind fuck. It's like, you know, we only see 
blue because it's beside you. I'm like, this, I can't get my head around this, but it was cool just to sort of see someone of that level and the stuff that obviously he's been able to achieve sort of trying to link things back to the, the scientific side of things. And it, it was just, I just found it very interesting, but yeah, we are up to date with, with Andrew Huberman. Yeah. And, and so this latest one with, with Dr. Andy Galpin, I was really excited about because one, um, you know, I really haven't listened to him much before in the past. And this is a, a six part series that really dives into like all aspects of your fitness. So like, of course, you know, I want to listen to scientific research on fitness and, you know, ways of your body and the best way you can optimize fitness and stuff like that. And, and a lot of times in these, like with Dr. Lane Norton, I learned a lot um, about, you know, new things that were out there um, and also validated a lot of why we do things from a scientific research perspective. So these are all like really cool things. Um, but the reason why we're talking about this today is, you know, uh, a lot of people struggle with, do I do resistance training? Do I do cardio? Do I do only one, only the other? Is it good to do both? And if I do both, what's my objectives and goals of what I want to accomplish? And I think one thing that, you know, hopefully you realize from listening to all this podcast is that our bodies are extremely adaptive to our surroundings, regardless of what we're doing. If we're just living a sedentary lifestyle and we just sit there and we never work out, our bodies adapt to that. You know, we grow bigger. Uh, you know, we, we get along day to day based off of that. We store more fat and our bodies, you know, uh, adapt to that situation. Um, and this is, you know, millions of years of evolution that our body is, is so impressive to be able to do certain things like that. And think, so, and think about it this way, you know, let's go back, you know, 500,000 years, et cetera. And, you know, there was different types of, of situations that we're involved in. And, and if you think about genetics, uh, where we come from, why genetics play a major role in what we do, you know, uh, let's just say you were, you know, in a, a, a more of a, a non-developed country and, you know, you had to forage for food. Well, you most likely needed cardiovascular health to be able to run and sprint or have long endurance for long periods of time to be able to hunt for food. You probably also needed to be very strong in order to kill a bear or kill other animals in order to get that food. You probably needed to be able to chop trees down, uh, which is also both cardiovascular and, you know, muscular type of, of, of endurance there. And so you're, you're most likely going to have a very, you know, lean build with muscle, right? And that's just based on the nature of your surroundings. However, if you're building a pyramid, for example, or you're sitting there, you know, lifting stones all day long or building these massive structures, you know, you're going to be a really massive dude, you know, that probably doesn't have a lot of cardiovascular strength because it's not needed for your body. So our bodies adapt in different ways. And, you know, what the science is showing now is that there's, there's healthy ways of doing things. There's non-healthy ways of doing things. But what, what's clear is that a combination of cardiovascular health uh, and work plus resistance training is the best pairing for, for almost everybody from a health and longevity perspective. And they define longevity in a number of different ways, but cardiovascular being one of them. But also, you know, when you look at longevity studies, uh, bone density, muscle strength, grip strength are the three main cr criteria that they typically look for um, when it comes to longevity studies. And the more muscle mass you can keep as you age, the more bone density you have as you age, obviously fragile bones equate to bone breaks, infections, disease, et cetera. Um, and then um, grip strength, falling, being able to pick yourself up, catching yourself, those types of things, you live longer. So, you know, what the studies are showing now are, you know, very much so a balanced way of doing cardiovascular work, having a strong heart, uh, the oxygen, oxygenation levels, um, VO2 max being a, a big component of that and being able to measure longevity from a cardiovascular perspective, as well as, um, you know, your muscle mass. So something in the middle is typically what is recommended. Now, it doesn't mean, you know, being a bodybuilder is a bad thing or being, you know, just a, a straight cardio is a bad thing. It's just a balance of the two seems to support more, more longevity aspects. So I'll, I'll leave it that with there before we get into why we disagreed with this podcast and why I'm not a huge fan of Dr. Andy Galpin, but go ahead. I have been totally distracted. I'm going to order myself a grip strength tester because they were, put, they were talking about it at the end and they were talking about ways to test it and stuff like that. And a total side note for that, I think as a special episode, you and I should go through all the tests that they spoke about one time at some point this year and record yeah. the whole thing and sort of see where we're at from all these strength Strength level, VO2, max, cardio, endurance, all sorts of things, and grip strength. Uh, See, I, I, I already took it, and it told me I was going to live to 700, so I thought that was kind of cool. So, Because <laughs> of your grip strength? That's right, um, my grip strength. <laughs> yeah, but I think, you know, overall, I find it interesting what they were talking about, like sort of the evolution of training, and, you know, there was a lot of sort of, I think it was the 50s, 60s, they talked about the the endurance stuff and people running longer distances and, you know, cycling events and marathons and stuff like that. And then they talked about sort of the late seventies and how everything sort of fell in line with 
just the timing of everything and Arnold Schwarzenegger and, you know, the pumping iron and the bodybuilding and stuff like that, like people realize that, that yes, okay, they could do the sort of strength and, or they could do the endurance stuff and the cardio-based stuff to sort of feel better and get healthier and potentially lose weight. But the weightlifting side of things and the bodybuilding side of things, you could actually change how you look, like you could physically go and change how you look. And I think that, that what they said was, show me one person who wanted to be stronger and I'll show you 10 people who want to look stronger. Now, I, I yes, want to look strong, but I also want to be strong as well. But it was just interesting to sort of like, I guess a perspective that I never really thought of about like the timing of things and, and how everything sort of came about and how training has changed over the years. Well, and I think, you know, you, you know, resistance training gets a lot of bad, uh, I think perception because, you know, it, it absolutely can be abused, right? You look at bodybuilders dying in their fifties and sixties. Well, yeah, that's, you know, 30 years of abuse to their bodies and their hearts just can't take it. So cardiovascular health is a, is a big component of that. Right. But you have, you know, a lot of bodybuilders that live to 80, 90, 100 years old as well. So, you know, it really depends on, on how well you've actually taken care of yourself. And there's no question you could be an unhealthy bodybuilder, but there's no question you could also be an unhealthy runner as well. So, you know, these things are are not exclusive to one another. And it's that balanced approach that that I think is, is really important in making informed decisions about what you want to accomplish and what's healthy to do. Um, a good example, I just uh, got my my blood work back uh, just just this week. And, you know, what I always focus on is, am I improving my biomarkers, you know, for various things? So if I see an area that needs help, for example, like I need micro supplement, uh, micronutrient supplementation and magnesium, you know, I'll take more magnesium as part of my supplementation routine. Uh, same thing for uh, my um, my lab. So, you know, this this time around, I was really happy because my kidney and liver enzymes went down substantially. They're already within normal ranges, but they went down substantially. I have been taking uh, some Tudka and some milk thistle stuff. Uh, which helps with, um, you know, liver, liver cleansing. And so my kidney levels and my liver levels were down again, not in dangerous levels, but I'm improving those. And those are, you know, obviously things that I want to take care of as I, as I get older. Um, same thing for my LDL and HDLs, HDLs improved, LDLs improved. Um, so, you know, APOB, uh, which is, you know, a really great biomarker indicator for cardiovascular disease, um, osteopor- uh, osteoporosis, for example. Um, those are things that, that, you know, I always take a look at from that side that try to always improve, but I'm making health informed decisions about how I'm going and doing things. Now, you know, you know, we talked about my five minute mile brag here, but you know, but I, that's because I'm, fo- but I'm saying that because I focus on cardiovascular health very importantly, but I also focus very heavily on resistance training and resistance training is number one, most important to me. Uh, you know, I want more muscle mass. I care less about running a five minute mile, to be honest. I just want to be stronger. Now, you know, it's a delicate balance between everything that you're accomplishing, but if your goals, you know, are to have a relatively lean, you know, body type, but still have muscle mass, you know, obviously that desired look of, you know, being lean and having muscle, you know, there are some definite things that you can do to maintain that physique and slowly build, you know, muscle over time. What I didn't like about this podcast with, with Dr. Andy, that really kind of threw me off was, you know, he referenced his scientific studies, right? And he was empirical about his studies being basically the only way that you can do things. And, you know, to me, and, and he even he even contradicted science in general because he said a lot of the studies are based off of cognitive biases that you have and then trying to fit the data to that specific thing, right? And then he goes along and telling you, well, this is the way to do it, and this is the only way to do it. And I, I was really kind of put off by that because you know what he doesn't realize is that everybody's goals are different uh, from what you're trying to accomplish. And I understand what he's trying to say. So his his big concept was. Um, you know, things like CrossFit are kind of the best solution for you. And, you know, I would argue, well, everybody I know in CrossFit is always hurt. Now, I'm not going to say CrossFit's bad, you know, because it is a great, you know, uh, cardiovascular slash, you know, muscle building type of thing. But at the end of the day, like if you're not doing things properly, like with anything like weight resistance training, anything else, you're going to have injuries. But his, his, his whole point was, is that, you know, listen, you can do, weightlifting plus cardiovascular in the same session type of thing, like, you know, doing high, you know, high exertion reps with, you know, deadlifts and, you know, all these other things and exertion type type movements and explosive movements that, you know, get your heart rate moving and also build muscle at the same time. And those full body exercises are what you should be focusing on from a longevity perspective, which will help both cardio and weights. And I, I, I agree with that, but then he started to, uh, to, to basically um, crap on isolation, you know, training for muscle groups. And I'm like, what? Like, you know, think, that makes no sense whatsoever. I think I think the way that he put it was that we we moved away from 
motion. So he talked about like, uh, like cycling and running and things like that. We moved away from motion and we moved towards like more isolation stuff. So like, you know, compound movements or, you know, even just whatever way you're going to train biceps or whatever else. And I think he said that what he saw in that was there were a lot of injuries because of this. And that's whenever he started talking about CrossFit, I was like, whoa, are you trying to say, that, and again, not to shit on CrossFit by any stretch of the imagination, because I respect athletes and it's serious hard work, but it's yeah. like, again, everybody I know who does CrossFit has some sort of injury or is trying to get out of CrossFit because they're all fucked up because of all the injuries. And like, you can't say yeah. that we moved away from motion to this thing and there was a lot of injuries. So now everybody's doing this thing that has motion and these movements. Everybody's all fucked up. It does cross the majority. Right. We're all taped and, up and, and stuck together. And I think this goes back to the, the, to the, to the argument that, you know, we, and we've always preached this on the podcast is that when you're doing an exercise, you need to learn the movement first. You need to do it properly. You need to be comfortable with the weight. And then you gradually move up after that. Once you're doing it safe and sound. Um, and that is a big part of resistance training, making sure you don't have these injuries. And, you know, we talked about this. I've talked about this before on the podcast. I have reoccurring injuries. I have, you know, a, a left shoulder issue and a lower, lower left back issue. And we have built exercises around those that allow me to not re-injure myself and continue. And it wasn't a, a lifting injury. It was, you know, historical injuries from when I was in the military. So, you know, these are, these are things that we have to live through in our bodies, but to say that, you know, isolation movements and resistance training creates injuries is, is, is such a facade because, you know, people do lifting their entire life and are perfectly fine with that. I mean, you have 60, 70, 80 year old bodybuilders that are perfectly fine doing the exact same movements they've been doing their entire life. We have a lot of data, a lot of science behind it. And there's a lot of studies that show resistance training is absolutely amazing for your body. Uh, why would you have a contradictory aspect towards that when all the science actually backs that up? So, you know, I, I just think it was very myopic view of what he was talking about. Um, and all of that. And by the way, you can also do heavy lifting and cardio. I know it's hard to believe, but you could do both of those, you know, like, that like was a big it's realization for me towards the end of last yeah. year. I could, I could do both. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I think the, the thing, if I think about it, he obviously deals with high level athletes. So he, he, I, I would imagine that a lot of the stuff he's talking about is, is from an athlete perspective. Now, in the title of the podcast, it doesn't say anything about athletes. It says, how to assess and prove all aspects of your fitness, nothing related to athletes at all. So I think, you know, from what he's saying, and I think they were talking about the, the leg extension test. And he, he said to Andrew Hogan, can you do one rep, one, one rep of your body weight at leg extension? The first thing that pissed me off, I was like, well, what machine am I doing it on? Because they're yeah. all going to be different. And the second yeah. thing I was like, I don't think I could do one rep at 210 pounds or like 95 years. I don't think I could do that. But he was almost like shocked. Like you could tell there was a shock that he couldn't do. He was like, you can't do it. Like double leg, you know, he was really trying to justify it. I was like, you can't just assume that everybody, that everybody can do these things if you're dealing with like day-to-day people and not athletes. Well, and that's, and you know, and, and one of the other ones that not to nitpick everything that was said there, but um, you know, Huberman uh, didn't correct him multiple occasions. Even like he's had, he's talked about this specific topic a number of times. Dr. Lane Norton's talked about this many times. He's had Dr. Peter Atia talk about this many times. There's a number of studies on this, but you know, if you train a muscle group consistently without the ability for it to recover, it's going to be counterproductive to your goals. You're going to, it's going to, you know, uh, break down in injuries. What he said was, uh, you know, and, and Huber was like, hey, yeah, you know, kind of like the, the, the concept of, you know, not being able to train the same muscle group the next day. And Dr. And, uh, Andy was like, yeah, that's total BS. You could keep training, you know, every single day or whatever. I'm like, like Huber, are you going to correct him on that? Like, that's not accurate. So I was really like, I don't know, man, you kind of lost me on this podcast. And there's six episodes that I got to listen to of this guy. I'm not sure I'm going to be in it. But, but I will say, breaking down the stuff that we didn't like, but what, what you can take away from that is, you know, Full body exercises are phenomenal for your body, regardless if you're doing cardiovascular work with it or uh, just lifting. It's a phenomenal exercise for your body. So if you're only lifting two or three times a week, full body exercises are the way to go because you're going to hit the most amount of muscle groups. Um, it's going to be most intensive on your body and you get the most benefit for that and build muscle over time. However, if your goal is to maximize muscle hypertrophy to gain as much muscle as possible, um, then, you know, you're going to want to focus on isolation type movements and exercises typically. And it doesn't mean you still can't do full body exercises, but your rep ranges and how many times you hit those muscles will typically change based on the data that we know of our bodies. You know, like, there's a lot of data on rep ranges. We talked about this in previous podcasts, you know, trying to get to a certain number to allow you to 
you know, maximize muscle hypertrophy and, and protein synthesis and ATP within our, uh, 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 within our, our mTOR production within our bodies. So these are all things that we have to consider. What are our goals? Do we just, you know, do we want, you know, if, if your goal is, you know, you're already overweight and you want to shed the pounds and maintain muscle, I would probably do, you know, three hard, you know, uh, uh, full body exercises a week that incorporated cardiovascular type training, get some steps in, and that would probably look, be what my week looks like, right? Uh, from a cardiovascular and lifting perspective, I wouldn't sit there and be sprinting on treadmills or doing anything like that. You know, I would just get out there and move and in my, in my movements that I'm doing, keep it high intensity. So my heart rate's up, I'm sweating, I'm burning calories. I'm going to do it. My cardiovascular stuff is good. I'm in the, you know, um, you know, in, in, a, in an elevated heart rate zone. So my, my heart's actually working productively. Those are going to be some of your best results you could probably experience. But again, you know, if you want to try to get as much muscle as you can and also maintain leanness and things of that effect, then you're going to want to lift a little bit more in those muscle groups. And it doesn't mean that you can't do still three times a week, but you might do a little bit of a different split and a much different type of workout than the high intensity ones you typically see out there. Yeah, I think, the, yes, there was things that I definitely will take from a lot of the testing stuff interested me, like potentially not something I would use with clients day to day, but like I said, something that you and I can potentially just to sort of see and, and things like that. The other thing that I learned from the podcast was Andrew Huberman's podcast would probably be at least 45 minutes shorter if we didn't have all those fucking sponsored ads every, every two yes. minutes in between. Man, he, like, puts him, he puts them in all the thing. I'm like, I got to go. I, I got to fast forward again. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. He takes, um, he he's taking that cue from, uh, from Joe Rogan, I think. So like you get, you get all these like basically, uh, uh, you know, advertisers halfway through the podcast at yeah. the beginning, at the end, in the middle, you know, it's like, oh, come on. Yeah. But that, yeah. like some of the test stuff I do think is good. And I, I think the series will frustrate us, but I do think there will be definitely some stuff in it that we can take from yeah. it that, that we can sort of use. And I, I'm not against that. And I think overall, probably the conclusion is that number one, you need to decide what your goal is and what you want to achieve. So, you know, if it's fat loss, then focus on fat loss. If you do want to have some sort of endurance, then focus on some sort of endurance. If you do want to get big and strong, then focus on getting big and strong, like work out what yeah. you want to do and then yeah. essentially build your training around that. I think that's probably the best. It's not a, a one size fits on. You know, I think I've been saying that my entire coaching career, like it never is that you need to work out what you want to achieve and then sort of work out what you need to do from that point. By, by the way, there's nothing wrong with changing what you want to do down the road too. Like, you know, what's great about this is again, our bodies will morph to what we want to do. And that's the, I think the coolest part about all of this mm -hmm. is that literally we can shape ourselves in whatever image we want to. Now, obviously, you know, I'm stuck with being six, four, I can't change that. You know, I have green eyes. I can't change that. Well, maybe I can with some contacts, but you know, you know, I, I can change my hair. I, I can change my color, of my hair, I guess. But, uh, you have to end of the day, genetics play a role in certain things. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, like when it comes to the physique of our body and how we want to look, we control that. We control almost every aspect of that. We can make ourselves look lean. We can make ourselves look big. We can make ourselves look strong and massive. I mean, we can be overweight and massively, you know, uh, unhealthy. There's so many different things that, that we can accomplish. And it's just a matter of putting the effort into one way or the other. And that's what I think I find so fascinating about this. And it's just those tweaks that you do, um, that, that make a big difference. Like deload weeks, for example. You know, if I wasn't training with you, I would never do a deload week ever, but they're so necessary. Like I'll tell you my energy levels of doing my lift that day on Wednesday, even Wednesday night, which are almost always shit exercises for me. Cause I'm always tired at the end of the day. I've had a long day of meetings, long day at the airport, dealing with people, you know, fires going off here and there. And so I get back home and I'm, I'm tired. I go home and I hang out with the kids. Everything's great. You know, I have a nice meal, wait about an hour or two go downstairs and I was ready to, to, I mean, I was foaming from the mouth, you know, ready to hit those weights and I was just PR on a bunch of stuff. And, you know, so, then, you yeah. know <laughs> just a little one, uh, just a little workout, <laughs> just hit the biceps, just a little bit, just like one exercise. Um, but, uh, it, you know, but those, those, those little things that we can tweak along our ways can make big differences and, you know, nutrition, you know, the, the pillars that we talk about on mindset, you know, nutrition, lifestyle, uh, and your, your overall physique and body, like those are all the things that we have control over a hundred percent. Yeah. And I think, I think, I mean, I don't want to say we were right, but I think the more that we sort of well, delve yeah, in, you're right. You're right. <laughs> the more we delve into the other podcasts and the science and stuff like that, you know, for me, I don't listen to anything or anyone and take everything that they say as gospel. And that's what I need to go and do. And, and this applies for anybody who's listened to us. Like, I'm not saying that you need to do everything that we say or that I do things the right way. And even I was talking today about tempo training and about how it fucks everybody off, but 
I'm not saying that that's the best way to do it. I'm not saying that that's the only way to do it. And I had an interesting conversation with JG about two hours ago. Um, and he, he was very frustrated with the tempo stuff at the start because he had to sort of reassess where his strength levels were. And I could, I could tell there was a lot of frustration in it. But the one thing that we sort of came off the back of the call was it really forced him. Like he, he almost couldn't fuck up his form because he had to really focus on how he was moving and he was not more in control. And that's the biggest lesson that he took from, you know, the initial sort of 10 week block and whatever else. So I'm not saying that that's the right way to do it, but I find it a very good way to sort of teach people how to move and actually control and contract the muscles. But as I'm saying, I'm not saying that you need to take everything that Dave and I say as gospel and that's what you need to go and do. You need to take the bits that suit you and what you're trying to do. And that's what I do with other podcasts and take inspiration and try things out of myself try things out on Dave specifically and try things out on, on other clients. I think, oh, do you know what? I actually really like the idea of this. And there's a lot of things that I have changed my mind on over time, um, which is absolutely fine. And I think that that, that is sort of shows number one, how things change, how our knowledge, how the science, how the data on all those things change over time and sort of being okay with being wrong or admitting that there are other or better ways to do things is, is absolutely fine. And it's, uh, it's interesting, you know, every, again, everybody's different. So everybody's goals are different. Everybody's bodies are different, what they can accomplish. But, you know, at the end of the day, we control that. So but within our, you know, genetics, it's funny because you mentioned, you know, form of technique. Every time I think of form of technique, I think of Helmine is deadlifts, you know, the most <laughs> awkward looking deadlifts ever. And he always gets shit, you know, on, on campus <laughs> deadlifts. But, hey, are you deadlifting 700 pounds? No. So, you know, like, you know, but, you know, some people just work through what they want to do in their body and, and, you know, Helmy's deadlift, you know, everything else is obviously hundred percent sense by now, but for his body and how he moves and operates it, you know, his deadlift looks, yeah. looks absolutely atrocious. It looks yeah, insane. It looks awful. Yeah. And actually, he, it looks his, awful. His latest YouTube video was he, uh, <laughs> he went through and read through all his hate comments on YouTube, on TikTok and Instagram. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't watched yet, but I would imagine that the deadlifts did, um, they did come up because they, oh, uh, they had to come up. They, they, to are, come awful. Up. <laughs> they are awful. They are awful. Yeah. I mean, but, he's lifting with his whole bat rounded yeah, back and everything. I mean, it was I, gr- like you said, it, I can't but he's a freaking this. monster. Yeah. He's a monster. I mean, like, I'm not, listen, I'm not going to critique that okay yeah. like you know like like in fact help me should i be rounding my back you know like <laughs> is, that the, se- is that the secret is that the secret yeah but but again you know we all have our things but uh you know it, it, at the end of the day you know we do have to have a vision and goal and start to execute on that goal to be successful with it and that's why i didn't like the the dr andy stuff because it was like you had to be in this box. You had to do things this way, and it had to be done the way that my research had said, even though there's other ways of tackling that research and looking at that research, other research that's out there that's plenty valid, and, and everybody else uses it as well. So, you know, um, I was just a little bit put off by that. I mean, I, if you if you want a really good podcast to listen to, uh, the Human Labs one with Dr. Lane Norton was really good. I yeah. love that one because the guy is uh, is a bodybuilder, mm-hmm. and, and he's a natural bodybuilder. At least that's what he claims. So, you know, but what's nice about seeing that is, you know, everything that he's talking about is science-based routines. And it was funny because he, he's, he's a really, he could be a dick on social media, like, like a really big one. Like the guy just has no Fs to give when it comes to responding back to people. And you can tell, and it was funny because like he was talking about uh, inclusion training, um, uh, which is, you know, you know, BFR is blood flow restriction. So you basically put, uh, you know, these bands around your, your arms and, you know, causes uh, blood flow to be restricted to your muscle groups. And, it helps you isolate and focus on muscle groups. And people are like, why the hell would you do that? That sounds dangerous. Uh, what it actually does is it cuts oxygen levels off to your muscles, which causes your muscles to have to work twice as hard or 10 times as hard. And what a science has shown is that uh, with blood flow restriction to your muscle groups, you can actually gain much substantial, substantially more uh, muscle hypertrophy, i.e. muscle mass by doing blood flow restrictions um, as a thing. And, and he's been a big advocate of that. And I, you, it's funny because like you introduced me to BFRs years ago before it was even cool and before Chris Hemingsworth was using it and everybody else. But, um, you know, BFRs are something that are, is, is a great tool, you know, for, especially for days where you may have already hit a muscle group pretty hard and you want to focus more on the, the size and the muscle hypertrophy side of the house. So, uh, but like, so, you know, someone commented on, you know, uh, Dr. Lane Norton did this this video on, on blood flow restrictions and the response back was, yeah, that looks that looks horrible for you uh, and unhealthy. Um, you know, this is this is the t- totally this is the most stupid thing I've ever seen posted by somebody. <laughs> and he responds back, you know, and quotes the tweet and everything. He's like, "I'm sorry, but your feelings mean absolutely nothing to me. Read the f and science, you idiots." He's like, "This is what it does," and he's like, "I'm done dealing with people's feelings. Your feelings mean nothing." And I was like, "Whoa!" I'm like, "I'm like, okay, okay, you know, like, you know, like yeah, 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 yeah." But I mean, you know, what he. <sighs> 
what he's not saying isn't wrong. You know, like, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, there are scientific studies that show blood flow restrictions. One, A, are perfectly safe. And two, you know, have the ability to do, you know, especially uh, it's used very heavily for injury recovery. In fact, uh, um, Yuri, I was just on his podcast recently, and uh, Yuri's talking about how he used blood flow restrictions for his recovery aspects, which is used very heavily in the medical industry for when you have a, have an injury. So we have tons of data on this, tons of studies. And what he's basically saying is like, listen, you, based on your goals and your necessities, that may not make sense to you, but don't sit there and say it's not safe or that it doesn't do anything or that it's not worth it because you have no idea what you're talking about because I literally know all the science behind it and this is what it means. And I'm not saying all the science is always right, but like, this is probably one of the easier ones to make a decision on, on this. And, uh, you know, it, it's just interesting to see him kind of respond to those people. Yeah. But I, I can imagine for him, it's frustrating. Do you know what I mean? Like he spent years, you know, I think he mentioned and actually talked about his podcast about, he was the one that, that introduced it, or he mentioned it first or whatever, some claim to fame I heard, but, um, you know, he spent years and years of the science and research. And then someone just on Twitter is like, nope, looks stupid. And you're like, yeah. I actually, and I don't know if you did, cause we spoke about this, you know, after that podcast, I signed up for his, um, rep stuff, the research experience and practical summary oh, summaries. Yeah. There's a lot of really cool stuff um in that. And the the most recent one is will will cardio kill your gains? I haven't read it yet, but I think like even just questions like that to sort of look at the research and how it explains it and stuff like that. Like that's that sort of shit excites me and sort of it allows me to answer other people's questions and clients' questions and you'll actually be able to back things up whenever people are like, no, you can't do cardio because your biceps will fall off or whatever the fuck's shit. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, again, and, and, and this is also something I would caveat folks with as well is, you know, if you're trying will to not fall off if you do, if you do will not pop. <laughs> well, but we, we, we get this very often in the, in the discord server, you know, um, we have a scientific research section and I try to do a lot of analysis on, um, things that may benefit people that are looking to optimize their bodies, whether it's through supplementation, testosterone replacement, uh, peptides, whatever, you know, things that, that have good science behind it that are safe and effective, um, you know, for our bodies. And it's like, you know, I'll get questions on things like SARMs, for example. And, you know, I'm not knocking anything. What you want to do is, is your choice. And, you know, but I, I'm not a huge fan of SARMs because uh, they don't have a lot of data and human studies on them and the efficacy and safety of them aren't there. So I typically, I'm like, well, hey, you know, like go for it, but it's kind of at your own risk when you go and do it. And there's not a lot of science behind it. Same thing for like supplementation. You'll see like these test boosters, right? And there'll be like one scientific research paper that was done on mice has nothing to do with humans. You know, even though mice and humans are very similar in nature, there's many times where they don't, you know, equate to one to ones in, in any way, shape, or form. I mean, in fact, a lot of the times they don't. And so, you know, your question like, yes. like, I don't know about you, but if it no. if it's been done on a mice, I'm not I'm not right. the guy for that. Like, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, it's 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 interesting because you know, I had someone recently ask about uh, a specific supplement, and they're like, hey, you know, can you look at this this research paper? So I looked at it. And the first thing it says is by taking this supplement, you know, uh, has a 20% uh, increase in testosterone levels in men. Okay. I'm like, oh, interesting. All right. First of all, I've heard of this before. I see it in test boosters. I've, I've done really research. I, I, for some reason, I, in my mind, I, I, I threw it out the window because I, 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 I something I've researched before in the past told me not to do this. It's the same thing like Tongan Ali and a few of the other ones out there for test boosters. But, you know, I started doing some research on it and you look at the study and it was a really small sample size of humans. Uh, and there was no resistance training in it. And you look at all the later studies and it showed that there was uh, nominal, i.e. not much of a testosterone boost in people that didn't lift and a large reduction in testosterone <laughs> for people that did lift weights. And I was like, yeah, you don't want to be taking that, you know, like, but, but if you just read that one study, you'd yeah. be like, oh, I see you take the supplement to get more testosterone. You're like, no, yeah. no, 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 no. T take a step back and take a look at the other research that's come out since then. This wasn't done, let's just say 2014. Have there been any follow-up studies, studies in humans, uh, things that, that actually make an impact. And is there doctors that have published their analysis and, 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 um, you know, overview of what this actually means, you know, to the industry or to the field? And is this something to take? Um, one of the things I take is, is phosphatic acid, uh, prior to lifting. Uh, there's been studies that show taking phosphatic acid, uh, allows for better protein synthesis, uh, which is spawned off of, uh, what's called mTOR production. So I take five, five pills of phosphatic acid prior to lifting because of the research that I've seen out there. Now, you know, at the end of the day, phosphatic acid is extremely safe. Uh, you know, lots of clinical studies on it, not just specifically for mTOR production, but for other things. So I feel comfortable taking that supplement because it's well-researched. And whether or not I'm getting the mTOR benefits, uh, uh, you know, and, and getting increased, I don't know. But the studies seem to show that. So I, I try it, you know. But you just get to be really careful with what is said off of one study or one research topic or somebody saying to do this or that. 
Um, because a lot of times it may not be accurate. Uh, it may just be a small myopic view of it, may not have clinical human trials in it. And those are the things that we need to be really focused on, especially in this age, because the supplement industry is really de uh, not regulated very well uh, at all. And a bunch of stuff is thrown all over the place, especially, you know, if it's a, you know, like a natural ingredient. Yeah. I think number one on that is trying to find a reliable source to, to look at studies because you can just Google to get the study and fuck knows what's going to come up. So I think, you know, again, having that, that section in the discord where there is actual reliable studies that you can actually read and go, okay, right. This actually makes sense or doesn't make sense to do that. I think having the, having the right place to go for resources is definitely important because you can get lost in it. And again, you know, the internet is the best and the worst thing in the world, but um, yeah, it's just knowing the right place to go for these things. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, the information that we have available, not everybody has access to a doctor, you know, not everybody has access to, you know, a researcher that has gone through all of this or knows the ins and outs of that. Our PCPs are typically reactive in nature. Or even how to read a research studies. paper like that right. in itself yeah. is, oh, yeah. is a, a skill. It has taken me a long time uh, and a lot of studying to be able to understand, like, receptors, for example, and how they impact our bodies, like androgen receptors versus, you know, others and, and how dopamine and all this other stuff works. And then you have to go to a study and then that basically breaks out in, in, you know, you know, terms that, 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 you know, you should probably be in the field for, um, it takes a long time to interpret those in a way that is, that is, uh, successful. And luckily I have, um, you know, I have family members that are doctors. I have a number of others. So I'll send these research papers out like, Hey, what does I this mean? Like, <laughs> what does this mean? Like, is, is this an area that I'm familiar with? And so it's great to be able to have resources available and things to that effect, but not everybody has those. So, yeah. you know, just be really careful with what you're putting into your body uh, because good chances is probably not great for yourself uh, and copious amounts, you know, could cause some, some major downfalls in your health, cancer, things to that effect in the future. You never know. Yeah. The one thing that I want to sort of finish up on, because I had a conversation with Jason yesterday and um, he bought himself a sauna for Christmas. And I know that you talk yeah. about sauna quite a lot in recovery. And it, in his in his own words, I'm pretty sure he said he was amazed about the difference in terms of progress or in terms of uh, recovery. Um, and, you know, we talk about the 1% and getting the 1% here and there. But um, obviously, because he has a lot of the data and he uses Whoop and everything else, he says, like, how much positive impact using this on on a regular basis has had on his recovery. So obviously, I mean, he uses whoop and he's like on a regular week before he started using it, there was maybe two or three days in the week. He was in the red in terms of recovery. We are, well, yesterday we were 19 days into the year and he had only had two in that 19 day period. And he said that he has seen uh, between 30 and 40% increase in his recovery on whoop as a whole and an increase in his not in the amount of sleep that he's getting, but in the efficiency of sleep that he's getting. So I was like, I mean, just from having that, like I know that you've mentioned it quite a lot, but whatever. In having that conversation with him alone, I was like, I need to get one of these because that in itself and having the data and being able to go, do you know what? Okay, this is the data that I had before this. And the only thing that he has changed is using this all on a regular basis. So that backs you up. I'm going to say you were right on that one. There's there's some really great data. You know, what's interesting um, there isn't a lot of data on infrared saunas yet, but the, the concepts seem to be the same uh, from, you know, steam saunas versus infrared saunas. Um, the health benefits were primarily out of Sweden, which, you know, is a big uh, sauna culture. And they saw, you know, substantial amounts of recovery, uh, human growth, natural human growth hormone production, uh, ability for cardiovascular health, calorie burn. I mean, there's so many different types of benefits that go into, you know, things like sauna um, that allow us to reap those benefits in many ways. Um, so, you know, it's still, you know, to be determined on whether or not infrared saunas get hot enough for those benefits. But I mean, everything that we've seen from the, at least the early data um, shows that it absolutely does have a major impact, including the human growth hormone uh, ability. So human growth hormone, um, you know, naturally produced in our bodies help substantially with recovery, uh, endurance, uh, general mood and feel, uh, repair, a lot of stuff that goes on in that. So, um, you know, some good, good things uh, from, from that side. But I'll tell you, I, I try to hit the sauna at least three times a week. And uh, there is a noticeable difference in my recovery as I'm going to do it. And I feel like I, I try to typically do it at night and I feel phenomenal uh, after I'm done. I feel like rested. I feel, I feel like, you know, really just calm uh, and I feel really good. And then next morning I wake up, I'm refreshed, ready to go and hit the ground running. So I, I can't emphasize, you know, saunas enough. I think they're, they're such a good treasure trove for, for recovery, repair and everything else. So, yeah. Good. I'm not going to order one. I'll be, I'll be in the sauna. Demographic. Dave, 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 
Kay's gonna be like, you need to stop talking to Dave. Like we're done. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, no, true. That's true. <laughs> right. We did it. Hey, solid podcast. We did it. Solid podcast. Well, we got another one uh, coming up next week. Uh, well, we're actually recording two next week, right? We're doing yeah. two or three. Yeah, yeah, we're doing two. I mean, you need to stop letting people know when we're doing it. Like uh, people think we do it week by week, you know. Well, I mean, we try to do week by week, but sometimes obviously travel and things like that come up, but we try to do it week by week, but we appreciate everybody listening to us. Thank you so much for tuning in for this week's Hacking Your Health podcast. Check us out on Discord, Twitter, all the various social media uh, campaigns or website, wehack.health. Uh, seriously, come join our Discord server. It is a great community of people that are help, helping and uplifting one another. Um, even if you don't like Discord, there's some great stuff in there for people to talk to. Um, and we're all just, you know, kind of talking about our struggles, our experiences, knowledge, you know, you have questions. It's just a really judgment-free type of place uh, that you can come to and hang out and learn more about yourself and and uh, help motivate you. So it's just discord.gg slash hacking your health. We have health. Everything's we, we have, have health. health. Yes. Okay, you're right. You're right. Sorry, I got confused. Yes, we have health. Discord.gg slash we have health. <laughs> so thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll, we'll catch you again next week. Later all. See you next week.